Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. In our midst, amen, amen. The Bible says, And Solomon made all the vessels that pertained unto the house of the Lord, the altar of gold and the table of gold, whereupon the showbread was, and the candlesticks of pure gold, five on the right side, five on the left, before the oracle with the flowers and the lamps and the tongs of gold, and the bowls and the snuffers and the basins and the spoons and the censers of pure gold, and the hinges of gold, both for the doors of the inner house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the house to wit of the temple. So was ended all the work that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated. Even the silver and the gold and the vessels did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. Amen. I know that was a lot of reading and a lot of items. Amen. But here's the essence of it all. Among all the vessels and among all the treasures, they were brought in the house of the Lord. And I want to speak tonight from this subject, it's in the church. It's in the church. What we need is in this house. Amen. Lord, I love you today. Oh, mighty God, what a privilege it is to be in your presence. I'm asking you, God, to help me do an adequate job of conveying the powerful truths that are in your word. And let us receive it, God, with a hearty and a ready heart. And let us receive it, God, not just intellectually, but let us receive it in our spirit that your word might do a work tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. If we were to turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 11... And you can read all of this later, but 2 Kings chapter 11 tells an interesting, but really a rather bizarre story. But there is a wonderful lesson that is contained amid all of this, the happenings of 2 Kings 11. Now I realize my text wasn't in 2 Kings 11, but we'll, we'll get back there sometime just before midnight. We'll get there. You just hang on. And so for the sake of time, I want to just sort of give you the Reader's Digest version or the condensed version. Um, if I say Reader's Digest version, there's a lot of people wanting to know. By the way, I got a Reader's Digest in the mail the other day. It was a lot smaller than I remembered as a child. I didn't even know they still printed it. But um, I want to give you the Reader's Digest version of it. And it's in this passage of scripture that we find that Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab, 
And uh, her mother's name was Jezebel. Now, there's a name that rings and resonates. We understand Jezebel. But Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, in an act that somewhat defies logic, sought to kill all the heirs of David's throne. And that meant that even in some instances, it would be her own blood that would die. That faithful remnant in Judah certainly must have wondered when the, when the demand went out to kill the children, where was God in this moment? Where was God when the, when the death threats were made to snuff out the lineage and the royal seed? Why would, why would God make a covenant promise with David and then not keep it? Amen. They were like us. They were living in the moment, wondering where is God? How could God allow the queen mother to do such an evil deed? And how could he allow one person to jeopardize the bloodline of the Messiah? But God you see, was still on the throne <laughs> and he still had servants to commission into action and just because a threat went out was not necessarily the end of the story. In a world that seems to be filled by deceit and selfish ambition, I'm thankful to know that there are still those and not a few who take God's word seriously and they are faithful and loyal to it and they courageously do his will, irrespective of what the weather around them may be. I'm thankful tonight to maybe put this in a little bit more concise way. I'm thankful tonight that you are in this house. It is not a sign necessarily that all is well in your life. But you have so faithfully committed yourself to God and his holy word that you said, despite the circumstances of my life, today. Amen. I am going to the house of God because there is something for me in the house. And so I want to tell you tonight that what we need, it's in the church. Amen. It is in the church. We are, uh, we are inundated by people who are trying to step on one another to reach another rung on the ladder. But I'm thankful today to know that everybody in this world is not like that. Thank God for Athaliah's daughter. She took one of her grandsons, Joash, and she placed him in hiding because she said, we've got to spare the seed of David. We have got to spare the seed of David. And so she hid him, but it is not an accident that she hid him in the house of God. He was here in the temple that the priest could nurture him and train him and groom Joash to be the next king over Israel. And they did just that. And they did it all in the house of God. It happened in the house of God. We should never minimize what happens in our seasons of corporate worship. I understand that we could pray at home and sing at home and you could read your Bible at home, but don't ever underestimate what happens when we come together in the house of God. Amen. I'm going to tell you what you did tonight and what I did when we walked in this house. We stepped obediently in his word because we said, I'm not going to forsake the house of the Lord. I'm going to come and let the spirit of God touch me. They did 
for Joash, what he could not do for himself, they did it in the house of God. We understand from Scripture that Joash would grow to be a godly king and he would grow to be one who loved the Lord. He was a young man that did what was right in the sight of God. What a wonderful attribute to follow and what a great epitaph to have for all eternity. I firmly believe it's because of his exposure to the house of God and those priests in the house of God. Joash was raised in the temple, not to just be anybody. He wasn't raised in the temple just to go there and exercise some religious rites and go through a few rituals and things of that nature, but they understood quite well that their hands were shaping and molding the next king. Can I tell you today that I believe with all of my heart that as a church and the ministries of our church, we are not just having church to just impress or somehow to entertain those who walk into this house on a weekly basis, be that Sunday or Wednesday or both. But I believe that there is a great intention behind what we're doing, and that is we have a clear understanding of our responsibility. We are shaping and molding and forming those around us that will impact the kingdom of God. Amen. I don't ever want to become so introverted or inverted, should I say, that I do not want anybody to ever experience what God has for them. Amen. We want the power and the presence of the Lord. i just be honest with you today that I believe that in our midst and some that will come and some that will be born are going to be raised to be some of the greatest Sunday school teachers and leaders that this church has ever known in its existence. Amen. Why? Because we are not just marking time. Amen. When we have when we have programs on Sunday and when we have our classes, uh, whenever their schedules are, Amen. We're not just out there trying to mark time or in here trying to mark time, but we're trying to shape and mold and impact and influence lives. I have taken tonight's service and tonight's message as serious as any message I have ever preached in my life. Amen. I did not want to just pull something from some resource and read to you a few lines of scripture and say let's all stand and go home. Eternity is too long. The weight and responsibility of ministry is too great. And so I want to tell you tonight that with soberness we sat down, musicians sat down at their instruments and with soberness our praise team took the mic in their hand and their voices lifted together. Why? Because we understand the importance of of this moment because we may never have an opportunity to pass this way again. Amen. Joash was raised in the temple intentionally to be the next king. And so now it came time to place him into that position. However, they knew that once Athaliah finds out that she's been deceived, that there was a great chance that she would storm the temple and try to destroy Joash. And so, and so Jehoiada sets a plan in place, and it was an elaborate plan. And again, you can read about this in 2 Kings 11. He sets guards in place to ensure that everything is going to go as planned. He places some of the captains of the guards and stations them at the entrance of the temple because it's there they can position themselves and keep intruders out. 
But just in case someone breaks through that exterior barrier, he goes one step further. And we can read this in verses 7 through 10. And two parts of you that go forth on the Sabbath, even they shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord about the king. And you shall compass the king round about, every man with his weapon in his hand. And he that cometh within the ranges, he that gets too close, he that breaks through the barrier, amen, he that comes within the ranges, let him be slain. And be ye with the king as he goeth out and as he cometh in. And the captains over the hundreds did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were to come in on the Sabbath. And with them that should go out on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And verse number 10 importantly says, And to the captains over hundreds did the priests give King David's spears and shields. Amen. And where did they come from? Which were in the temple of the Lord. Amen. We're going to fight for protection. And we're going to surround the voice that will be the voice to do that which is right and honorable in the eyes of God and before all of Israel. And we are going to defend him with the weapons that come from the temple of God. Can I tell you tonight that what we need is found in the church. Amen. Where are we going to get it? We're going to find it in the house of the Lord. We need to remember now, let our minds wander back a little bit in time when we remember those dedicated instruments that Solomon put into the temple. Amen. That's what these men used to fight the enemy of God. I'm going to tell you this evening with a rich history, we come tonight to this church service with a wonderful, wonderful rich history. Amen. We walked into this building and began this service and I stepped to this pulpit and I'm not implying that it would be any different if this was our very first service but it's not our first service and there have been generations that have gone before us amen and they have dedicated things and they have brought them into this house there have been prayers that have been prayed by voices that have been silenced by death for decades but you know what tonight we're reaching into our weaponry file we're reaching into to our artillery case and what we're reaching into is not just going to come from the saints that have been here for the last six months or for the last five years or for those that have been here for a decade but we can reach into our artillery tonight and we can get a hold of some weapons amen David said I'm going to just put this we're going to put this in the temple amen it's not just going to be vessels they're not just going to be something that it's not going to be a museum in other words this is not just going to be on display but should you ever need them I'm thankful amen for those saints of old that prayed prayers for us hallelujah amen and they said we're just going to toss this ahead a little bit amen you may not need it right now you may not need this in 1950 you may not need these specific prayers in 1960 amen but there may be a time in this 21st century that you're going to have to reach down and say I wonder where we're going to get the answer for this problem I wonder how we're going to 
defeat the enemy on this front. Amen. Somebody already dedicated something. It's already in the church. Hallelujah. Can I tell you tonight that what you need is not on its way to the church. Amen. What you want is not going to be here if you just come back Sunday. Amen. I'm not going to tell you that if you just show up seven times in a row, you're going to find it. Can I tell you that before you got up this morning that it was already here. The power, the the power, the direction, the anointing, the hope, and the healing that we need in our life is already here. With these dedicated weapons, they slew Athaliah and Joash reigned over Israel. You see, there are some people that are trying to fight a spiritual enemy with their own weapons. Amen. But you need to lay them down tonight and come to the house of God and find your strength. Because it's in the church we're going to find what we need to really be victorious because God has already put it in the church. Amen. So I need to just set down my own plan. I need to just hang up my own philosophies and I need to put down my own weapons and get to the house of God because God has already placed them in his house. There was another time in David's life when he was running from another enemy. This time it would be his predecessor, Saul. When he comes to the house, amen, when Saul was trying for David's life and trying to snuff him out, amen, David came to the house of the Lord because he learned early on when I'm in peril and when I'm in trouble, I need to come to the house of God. Can I tell you tonight, if you got a sick loved one, you need to come to the house of God. You can do them a better favor and you can do them more good in this holy house, joining together with others in prayer than we can do any other way. Amen. We need to say, Lord, help us. When we've got a problem, that's when the devil says, you need to stay home and take care of, uh, you just need to stay home and 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 tend to this little pity party. Amen. You know what? Because he understands that what you need, it's in the church. Amen. So that's why he tries to keep us away. That's why he tries to keep us down. That's why he tries to keep us discouraged. But I want to press with everything in my spirit to get to the house of the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, the Bible says, then came David to Nob, to Nob, to, to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David. And he said unto him, why art thou alone? And why is no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, the king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, he asked, David asked, therefore what is under thine hand? And he said, give me five loaves of bread in my hand or what is there present? And the priest answered, David and said there is no common bread under my hand. Amen. There is no common bread under my hand but there is hallowed bread. In verse number 6 this is what we read. So the priest gave him hallowed bread for there was no bread there but the shoe bread 
that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. And so here's the bottom line to those verses and passages of Scripture. David came to the house of the Lord and he was just merely looking for natural bread. He would have been satisfied with just a slice of natural bread. Amen. But when he came in looking for natural bread, the priest said, I don't have any natural bread. The only thing I've got in my hand is some holy bread. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. There may be times that we come in and you say, you know, I've been lonely and I just want to be in the presence of my of my fellow friends and saints. I just want to hear their voice. I want to see their smile. I want to shake their hand. I want to find out how so-and-so's been doing on their job or how things are going at home. We come in and we think all I need tonight is just a little natural bread. But when we come into the house of God, the Lord said, you're asking for natural bread, but I got some holy bread to give you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You always get more than what you're expecting when you come into the house of God. Why? Because it's already in the church. It's already in the church. Amen. I wonder how many times that has happened that we came looking for one thing but the Lord gave us so much more. And David said to Ahimelech, amen, he said, and is there not any under thine hand a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. I had to leave in such a hurry. I didn't have time to pick up a weapon. I didn't have time to pick up anything to defend myself with. And the priest said to him in verse number nine, the only thing we got here in the house of the Lord, the only thing I got here in the temple is the sword of Goliath. Amen. The Philistine. Amen. Whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah. Behold it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. He said if thou will take that then take it. Amen. For there is no other save that here. And David said well I'm just going to tell you you've exceeded my expectations. I come looking for a butter knife. I would have settled for a sharp spoon or a fork. Amen. But he said there is none like the sword of Goliath. I come, amen, to ask you for one thing, but you have offered me so much more. And so David said, give it me. Give it me. I come tonight and you come tonight. And we lifted our hands in faith and we said, Lord, I could use a knife about that long. And the Lord said, I got something for you way better than that. Amen, I got something for you way beyond that. I have got something. Amen, and where did you find that? Where did did you get that? Amen. Where did that come from? I'm going to tell you it was already in the church. Hallelujah. We're all going to leave this building feeling better tonight than we did when we got here. And where did it come from? It wasn't from the piano. It wasn't from the drums. It wasn't from the guitar. It wasn't from the singers. It won't be from the preacher. I'm going to tell you what strengthened us tonight was already in this house. It was already here because it's in the church. Amen. David shows up empty handed. He's got holy bread in one hand and Goliath's sword in the other. He come empty handed, but he didn't leave empty handed. Amen. I think it's imperative to understand that this afternoon God was not scurrying around 
trying to make sure what you needed was going to be here. He was not running frantically through the halls of heaven. Say, <laughs> so, well, I can just tell how Wayne Williams is acting. He's planning on going to church. I didn't think he's going to come tonight, but he's going to be there. I better hurry up and get that there. I just picked on him because he picks on every one of us. Matter of fact, I might just leave his name in the basket the rest of the night. And he would still be way ahead. Way ahead. Man, I don't know what to think. You can't even nod off or nothing. I mean, he's just just as sure going to call your name. Well, it looks like he's headed to church. And I know he has such and such need. So I better make sure and put that in the refrigerator. No, no, it was already here. That's why I believe David wrote Psalms like Psalms 20, verses 1 and 2. The Lord hear thee in the, in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. And this is what David said. Send thee help from the sanctuary. <laughs> from help from the sanctuary. And strengthen thee out of Zion. Psalms 96 and 6, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. You see, David had been helped so many times in the sanctuary. He just couldn't stop writing about it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into. And so he found so much when he finally got to go into until he couldn't put his pen down. So he knew the importance of going to the house of God. And so one of the biggest lies that Satan can tell us is that we don't need the church. Anybody heard this phrase? I don't really believe in organized religion. Oh, the devil's just grinning when people say things like that. I don't believe that we have to go and be a part of any corporate service. The devil rubs his hands because he understands amen that if I can keep somebody alone, if I can keep them by themselves, amen, not only do they run the risk of discouragement but a greater risk is they run the, they run the risk of delusion. Amen. Amen. That after a while, it doesn't matter. Amen. After a while, after a while, it just doesn't matter. Amen. So we have to understand that God works through the church and he protects the church and he speaks to his children through the church. The word church appears some 80 times in the Bible. It was first used in Matthew 16 and 18 when he said, upon this rock will I build my church. Amen. When Jesus established the church, he didn't establish the church in an anemic fashion. He didn't establish the church with one leg dragging behind it. He didn't establish the church with crippled limbs, but he established the church in victory. He didn't say that the church would be perfect. He didn't say that it would be without persecution. Amen. But I can tell you now that the church is the safest place for you and I to be because the church is destined to overcome. Amen. And so this is the safest place to be. I know that we have mentioned it a few times in recent services, but Paul said on that stormy night when the ship was being rocked and tossed, amen, when it was creaking and popping and they understood there's no way this vessel can stay together and men were willing to jump overboard lest they go down with the ship. But Paul 
I tell you tonight, boldly declared before those before those men when he said an angel has stood beside me this night. Amen. And he said that there's not going to be one man lose his life. And so what he was saying is you need to stay with the ship. Amen. You need to stay inside the ship. And can I tell you tonight that no matter how murky it gets and no matter how much the church may creak and pop. Amen. No matter how many flaws we may have, can I tell you, it's still the safest place to be because God ordained the church this is God's idea this is God's plan and so I gotta stay with the church in spite of our wrinkles in spite of our imperfections we are still the church of the living God and one day he's coming back to take the church amen the church is still the channel through which God speaks to his own Amen, to which God anoints his word. Amen, it is still the channel through which God heals by the laying of hands. It is still the vehicle through which God brings comfort and strength and encouragement. Amen, and so I say tonight, I'm just gonna stay in the church. I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna grab a hold. Amen, I'm I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna have to pry my fingers off this thing because I found out a long time ago that she may take on some water here and there. Amen, she may take on some water here and there but the ship of Zion amen she's been through the fire but the fire couldn't burn it she's been through the wind but the wind couldn't destroy it she's been through the waves but the waves couldn't sink it I'm gonna hold on I'm gonna hold on I'm gonna hold on because it's in the church it's in the church praise God We should not just come to the church or to the house of God. Now I'm going to tread carefully here for a little while for just a few seconds. I don't want to, I don't want you to feel off put or lose any segment of our church here tonight. But I I think that we should not just come to the church always with the mindset of taking something home. Now I understand that we want to take something home. I get it. But I also think that we should should have a different prism through which we look when we come to the house of God. And that prism should be this. I'm going to bring something with me when I come to the house of God. Consider something with me, if you will. It is impossible to reap a harvest that we have never sown into. If you've never planted beans, there's no sense in cursing the ground because it never gave you beans. We cannot reap a harvest that we have never sown into. Sadly, it is so prevalent in our day that that people want something from nothing. Just not long ago, my wife and I were, were listening to another conversation that was taking place within earshot of us and they were just talking about all the free things in our great nation. And I just thought, you got to be kidding me. Because there's nothing free. Our freedom isn't free. And so we have to understand the mindset of the world around us is that we want something for nothing. Somebody told me something years ago 
that has proven to be 100% accurate, and that is across the board, that people who do the, do the least expect the most. People want benefits, but they're not willing to do anything about it. And it is the same way in the spirit world. Many want spiritual blessings, but they refuse to give and make any spiritual deposits. For instance, when we think about the altar, amen, we think about the altar as a place to come and receive. And again, I understand that it is a place to come and receive. But if I could just speak to the church tonight, I also want to make sure that I teach all of us, including myself, the importance of the altar being a place to come and give, not just a place to come and receive. In truth, the altar was really never designed. If we go way, way back, the altar was never designed to get. It was designed to give. Amen. Am I right? Some of you, amen, you've had your nose in the book a little while. You understand that when you come to God, you come something with, you come bringing something in your hands. In the most literal sense, you come bringing something in your hands. You're bringing an ox, you're bringing a goat, you're bringing a sheep, you're bringing a lamb, you're bringing, if, if you were not even financially able to do that, amen, you were to bring, uh, even if you were not, even, if in some cases, just a handful of meal or, 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 or a flour, if you please, to throw on the altar. And if you were not able to do that, if you were in, in not, in not financially able to have a goat or an ox or things of that nature, we were, you were to, to, to catch a turtle dove. What's the point? The point is you're without excuse. We cannot come to the altar empty-handed. That was why all of these provisions were made. Amen. And we were doing a lot better a while ago before I got on coming empty-handed. You were right with me, and now somehow you're thinking about Johnny Carson, and he's dead. I hate to tell you that. He's dead. Amen. So no matter when you get home, you're still going to miss Johnny. Amen. We need to understand the principle that I've got to bring something with me when I come to the house of the Lord. Amen. If we, if we do not, then we will continue to perpetuate the idea that the altar is only limited or is limited to those that are in need. And so follow me now because I'm going somewhere with this. And so if we think that the altar is only a place for someone in need, then during altar calls, we feel free to just sit back because I don't need anything tonight. Amen. I don't need anything. It's like having a full tank of gas. You can just blow right on past the service station because you don't need any fuel in your tank. If we think that the altar is only a place to come and receive, amen, then we say, well, I don't want to respond to the altar call because I don't need anything. Or an excuse that's kept many people away many years is, you know what? If I go to the altar, somebody's going to think I sinned. And you probably have. Because we're flesh and blood. I mean, you, I didn't kind of mean that. I didn't really mean that the way it came out, but so be it. 
<laughs> if I try to retract that now, it'll probably just leave more a greater wound. But anyway, I don't want to go down because somebody might think I've sinned. I don't want to go down because somebody might be wondering what in the world is going on in my life. You see a couple holding hands down at the altar and say, man, they must be fussing. They must be having problems and there must be trouble. Come down as a family. Well, their junior must be giving them trouble at home or Sally must be cutting up in school again because we think the altar is only a place to come and receive. But when we get it in our mind that the altar is a place that we come to give, Amen. So I'm coming down to the altar tonight. And I'm going to bring something to the altar. David said, I want you to put these vessels in the temple of the house of God. Amen. You know what? He didn't know right then, but there's coming a day. Somebody's going to need those vessels and somebody's going to need those weapons because they're going to be defending the king. And they're not just defending the king. They're defending the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you tonight? When we, woo, hallelujah. When we give an altar, when we give an altar call, we ought to say, well, you know, I don't really have a need, but I want to bring something. I'm going to plant something. The Bible says of Job, and I'm not trying to put too much in this tonight, but the Bible says of Job that he made sacrifices unto the Lord. You know why? Lest his children had sinned and they had not repented. Amen. He said, I'm just going to go ahead. Amen. I'm going to put some on the fire. Can I tell you that when it comes time to come to the altar, we don't need to sit back and say, well, not tonight. I'm all right. Amen. We need to say, hey, Lord, I don't really have a need, but I I have something to bring you. I have something to give. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to stay away from the place that God intended me to have a relationship, an intimate relationship with Him. Why would I want to stay away from that place? Praise God. What would happen if we all went to the altar? Because I want to give you something, Lord. I want to give you something. I come to bring a sacrifice of praise. I come to give some worship. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the saints were responsible to bring the oil to the temple to keep the lamp burning. Nehemiah 10 and 39, the Bible says, For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn, of the new wine, and the oil unto the chambers where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers and we will not forsake the house of the Lord. Amen. We are supposed to bring something with us when we come to the house of God. You see, when the children of Israel came together, much like you and I, in this August evening, 2019, we have been blessed by the contributions of others. Yes, we have. We have already been blessed by the contribution of others and not just those that were standing before us, but we have been blessed by the contribution of those that were joining in with these that were singing and we were lifting up our hands and our voices and we have been blessed. We have been fed spiritually by the offering and the endpoint the input rather of other people and so that's why it is so special that you are here tonight amen that's what's so incredible about the church we can all come together and i can bring something that nobody else can bring and you can bring something that nobody else can bring 
Amen. When we come, God takes those talents and gifts and abilities and prayers and contributions and he blesses the entire church because we brought what we could. Amen. And because we brought what we can, everything we need is in the church. Too many people think they can make it on their own, but we need the church. And furthermore, we need one another. 480, I mean, 400, yes, 484 times in the King James Version, the word together appears. Here are just a few. Let us exalt his name. Amen. I want to ask for some audience participation. Amen. I just want to make sure you're awake tonight. Let us exalt his name together. Together is going to be the key word. Amen. Together is going to be your word. Together is going to be our word together. I may be sorry that I started doing this. Amen. About, about, three, about three more strokes on this, but we'll just see where it goes. Let us exalt his name together. Hey, amen. Thank you, Tabitha. Amen. She's the teacher tonight. You watch the lady in the red, white, and blue. Gather my saints together unto me. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in company. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. Break forth into joy. Sing together. Amen. All that believe were together and had all things common. Now Peter and John went up together. Amen. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, amen, they had rehearsed all things that God had done for them. For we are laborers together. Amen. We are those laborers. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Amen. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and when we are alive and they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together hallelujah with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we forever amen so shall we ever be with the Lord I'm going to tell you that we went through a lot of togethers tonight amen together in his name together together with one another together as we took sweet counsel of the Lord together in unity amen together as we sang and sang praises unto the Lord and then we were believing together and we had all things in common together Peter and John went up to the temple and they were together amen they prayed and the and the place was shaken the assembly was moved amen but they were all assembled together and when they would come and gathered together amen a come as the church and the Bible says that we are laborers together and that we comfort ourselves together amen that we would not forsake the assembling of ourselves together amen the Bible says that he raised us up together and then we get to that last and final thing that we use tonight then they which are alive and remain shall be called up together together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we forever so shall we ever be 
be with the Lord. So I just want to tell you tonight, amen, I just want to let you know, I have to just let you know tonight that all of this, amen, this last thing that I just talked about, then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together. That one passage of scripture is hinged, amen, on all of the other passages of scripture before that. Amen, what I'm trying to say is that last together is all connected to the other togethers. Together singing, together praying, together comforting, together hearing the word, together getting instruction, and then we're going to be called up together. But I'm going to tell you tonight that if we can't come in together and if we can't worship together, amen, then we can't go to heaven together. We're going to get to heaven and ask the Lord, well, put me down here and you need to put them down there. Because if we can't get it together here, we're not going together there. And that is just the bottom line. That is just the bottom line. Amen. So don't ever let the devil trick you into thinking that we don't need the church. And I'm going to tell you that the church is not perfect. The church at large is not perfect. This church is not perfect. Amen. The leadership of this church, including the pastor of this church, is not a perfect person. Amen. We're not perfect. We have our failings. Amen. But it is an institution that Jesus said already is going to be victorious because I instituted it. It is my idea and not man's. And so I say, Lord, let us fall in love with your church over again today because our hope is hinged right here. It's in the church. I'm going to ask you to stand. It's in the church. It's not going to be in the church. It's not coming in the suite by and by. If we keep our fingers crossed, if we do everything just right, can you say it's here? It's here. What I need was already here before I got here. What you need is already here before you got here. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. I thank you for our time together. Thank you for the patience of these sweet people tonight. And I ask you, Lord, to let the power of the Holy Ghost touch our minds and our heart. Let us not just hear this with our ear alone, but, oh, God, let us hear this with our heart and realize that the altar is a place that we come to give and receive. But, oh, Lord, let me never come empty-handed. Let me give something back to you, back to you of value. My hope is here. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.